0: A track meet broke out Saturday in Winston-Salem, but in the end, the Deeks had their cleats tied up just a little bit tighter. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up Wolfpack Nation? It's time to get locked in with Locked On. Thanks for making Locked On Wolfpack your first listen each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's title sponsor is LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Monday to all. As always, I'm Grayson Boone, joined by former Wolfpack defensive tackle Kenton Gibbs. The Super Bowl has now come and gone. The bow on the proverbial football season is now tied. NC State basketball found themselves in a track meet in Winston-Salem on Saturday. Suffered a tough loss to the Demon Deacons by a score of 83 to 79. I honestly, and I tweeted this from the account, I thought it was a fun game to watch. I thought both offenses showed up. They clocked in. NC State looked like they wanted to be there, which is really my main concern coming into this one. I didn't want to see them look like they did at Syracuse. Get out to potentially an early lead. They did. NC State's offense showed up to shot 49.2% from the field, which is kind of absurd considering all of the complaining we've done about the offense uh, You know, down the stretch here. Just turned out to be not quite enough in Winston.
1: You know, if I had to say between this game and the first Wake Forest game, which one I like more, I'd say the first. And we didn't hit a single three in that game. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want to win the ball games, And this is just a game that I sit here, I look at, and I scratch my head saying, what is the problem? It's always something. First, it's the offense can't get it going. Then it's we can't get a stop. Then it's we can't stop there in the game plays. Then it's we can't drop a decent look for our in the game play. There is always something with this team. We I played with plenty of players who had the nickname can't get right because it was always something. It was hey if you just you know I, I just need to get my ankles taped up. They got their ankles taped up and then it was oh you know I, I dropped the pass because I had. Uh, my hands were a little sweaty. You get him a towel. And it was, oh, well, I'm, I'm getting slowed down a little bit because my jersey's too big. You get him a tighter jersey. There's always something with this team. Offense ain't rolling. Defense ain't rolling. Oh, we got offense and defense rolling. Now we can't first t- force any turnovers whatsoever. Oh, we got turnovers and defense rolling. Now we can't score to save our lives. Oh, we there is always something when we play good teams and it never results in a win. And at this point, I'm tired of talking about how they fought hard and they lost.
0: Yeah, No, I, I I completely echo that sentiment. It is tiring to get on here and say, well, the boys went out there and they tried their best and they fought till the end, but it just wasn't enough. It's beating a dead horse at this point. It's, it's hard to get on here and discuss it every single time because, like you said, it is seemingly always something that keeps us out of the win column uh, when we really needed one. This was a quad one opportunity. I know there's a lot of discourse surrounding the net and NC State's potential to earn a quad one win, win or lose in Winston, based on uh, how the numbers worked out for Wake Forest and Virginia as they went down and they beat the Seminoles. Well, guess what? That also turned out to not matter because the net did not work in NC State's favor, who would have guessed? And we are still without a quad one win. And, you know, getting back into the game the finer details you talk about turnover battle lost by only one, so virtually I see that as a net zero. That's fine. Rebounding battle on the glass, we actually won that thirty-five to thirty-two. I think some of the some of the story can be told at the free throw line. However, I think Wake was kind of hunting free throws. Some of their uh, some of their some of their guards and Miller and Hildreth turned into foul merchants, and it worked to their favor. They ended up shooting ten more free throws than we did. They hit seventeen of them. We were 8 of 11. You could see that as a potential difference in this game. I was okay with the offense, maybe except for the fact that it was really only coming from DJ Horn. He finished with 31. DJ Burns had 14. Mo Diara had 13. Outside of those three, more struggles from Jaden Taylor, more struggles from Casey Morsell. Just no real consistency outside of DJ Horn. Yet again, turns out to bite them in the behind.
1: You know, Coach Keith must have this team in the greatest conditioning of all time because those boys let them some cardio numbers. <laughs> they love to put up some cardio numbers outside of the couple star players that you get every game. And the stars are screaming, hey, follow me. i will guide us there. And granted, that may be a little harsh. That may be a little excessive. But the reality is the biggest thing that I don't see this year that we saw a lot last year. The other guys would step up. When there were moments where we se- it seemed like we couldn't do much and the stars were, were struggling or whatever the case may be, the other guys could step in and fill the gap for some time until they got back. We talk about Casey Marcel and his shooting struggles this year. It's so appalling because he had gotten better every yeah. year, culminating in a 40%, three-point shooting percentage last year. And I know what you're thinking. Well, how much would that really matter right now? if Casey Marcel shot 40% from three last year and this year, 29% from deep, right? If, if those two numbers are holding to be true, do, do y'all not realize that's the difference there? That's the, last year, we could count on Casey for basically two and a half threes per game. So over two games, you knew he was going to knock down five. Now we go very long stretches where we just see more struggle, under struggle, next to struggle, over struggle to get something to land. And again, it's not just about Casey. Yeah, It's about multiple guys in terms of if you look at our guys now and you say, well, these other guys, these role players show up and they're playing just as well as our role players were last year. Go back, look again.
0: Yeah, and it, it's a good point on Casey Morsell and we're not hanging a lot of the problems on Casey Morsell. It's not just a Casey Morseau problem. But you talk about was shooting 40% this year. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that NC State might have like three to four more wins in the win column. They have desperately needed somebody other than DJ Horn to shoot at a decent clip. We're not not even asking for something like astronomical, just something serviceable from three point land. If Casey Marcel was able to drop in two or three threes a game, this team would be a lot different. But Having to rely so heavily on DJ Horn, he can do it at a high level, but he can't yeah. do it himself. I mean, not at all. Jaden Taylor is another one. I don't need Jaden Taylor hoisting eight three pointers in a game like this one, when he himself has had you know quite a bit of his own struggles uh, from the perimeter. It it just it's just not going to get it done. It hasn't been getting yeah. it done all season, and it's tough. So. Sure. It is great to say, yes, they they fought this game. They looked like they wanted it. It was an exciting game till the end, came up short. That's fine. However, we've done like seven or eight of these episodes with that exact same sentiment. It's it's gotten old. And so obviously we all know, we all have a general feeling of where the season currently is and maybe where it will go in the next couple of weeks. We've talked about the doomsday clock a couple seconds to go. I think you heard the bell. I think we have officially... Hit midnight, and the only way to get into the NCAA tournament is to win the ACC tournament. So, I the don't fat know.
1: lady is singing, she is blaring with everything she's got. You know, she's singing from her diaphragm, you know, you get from a real place right now because that's what we're looking at here.
0: Up next, we're going to flip the script and talk about the women's massive win on the road after a quick word from our sponsors. Our first sponsor of the day is LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, You want to be able to find quality professionals that are just right for that role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to interview and hire. It gives you access to professionals you simply cannot find anywhere else and doing all of this while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easier when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses can get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they simply might not have the time to interview and hire resourcefully. That's why LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make this process easier. They have even just launched a feature that helps you write the job description, streamlining this process. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Middle portion of our Monday show, switching gears over to the women's basketball side. Went on the road to Pitt. Comfortable 36 point road win, 83 to 47 absolutely put the pedal to the metal offensively.
1: This is what we talk about all the time in terms of if you're playing an inferior team, push your foot down on the gas. This was a get back game. This was a game with a pissed off NC state and we dominated one, every category you could imagine, except potentially losing star player, Mimi Collins. That is a potential loss that could linger big time going forward.
0: Yeah. Obviously the main storyline coming out of this one is the potential loss of Mimi Collins went down with a lower leg injury. Of course, still at the time of recording this, still unsure what the synopsis is on that, but it's a scary injury. They still have quite a few ACC games of large importance coming up, including later this week against Notre Dame on the road. Mimi Collins has been playing excellent basketball of late. She's been a force down low in the paint, in addition to River Baldwin kind of coming back from injury. So to get one back and then lose the other, that's no easy task for Westmore to try and juggle here. Certainly wish for a speedy recovery, regardless of whatever it is for Mimi Collins. We need her back as soon as she can possibly do so.
1: You hope to get her back, but this team is still a complete and good team. This is still a team that, again, they play together, they fight together, they battle together, everything they do. It's not about one player. It's about the collective. I mean, even after Mimi went down, I want you to think about this now. The second quarter's total score was 30 to 6. Yeah. That that's a very real thing to happen. And again, Mimi Collins was out for a good chunk of that. She was a part of it, don't get me wrong, but missed a good chunk of that. So this team, it's all about the team. It's all about what everybody can do as a collective unit. We talk about the depth of this team all the time. We talked about how that depth is going to have to show up in the absence of a River Baldwin. Same thing is going to have to happen
0: here. For me. yeah, I mean, when, when you shoot that well in the first half, or I guess any half, it can potentially mask a you know, a glaring hole you have in a specific position there. You talk about outscoring pit 30 to 6 in that second quarter, I believe they shot something absurd like 81 percent in that second quarter. That'll certainly help your case, but you're down the stretch here, you're going to need someone to step up, whether it's Maddie Cox, Mallory Collier. Lizzie Williamson, you're going to need someone else to fill that Mimi Collins size void in the paint. And like I mentioned, especially with River Baldwin still inching closer to 100% off of her ankle injury. So tough, tough individual loss in Mimi Collins, but a good road win uh, regardless. Took care of business, as we often say. Going on the road, asserting your dominance is exactly what they did. Coming back to Raleigh with a W.
1: And I think the the biggest thing in terms of, of what this team needs to do going forward, you talk about the rookies and, and you talk about the uh, backups on this team. The biggest thing is those backups, because all of our backups specialize or are specialists per se, they give not just the kind of locked in like, hey, you have to do this or you have to do that kind of thing, but they give a multiple, they give a variety of looks that you can go with in terms of, who you would play and when you would play them. Obviously, Mallory Collier has a very different skill set from a Matty Cox, but those are two players that would very much so be looked to as potential replacements there, right? Again, all in all, these players are all very good at what they do and they all allow for different kinds of lineups and things to happen. And we'll see how this thing goes forward. Like I said, you have very different scenarios if you're putting in a Cox or a a Collier as opposed to a Lacey Steele or something like that or as opposed to injecting Zoe Bricks, as we've seen when River River Baldwin was down. My words are beating me up today, y'all. I'm sorry. But um, as opposed to those things where you just kind of space it out, pace and space, we're going to run y'all at the gym and then we'll put in some different lineups, do some different things off that.
0: Up next, we're going to round out our Monday discussing some of the greatest Pac-Pro moments in the Super Bowl after a quick word from our sponsors. Our second sponsor of the day is FanDuel. For the state of North Carolina, the wait is nearly over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to our state. We are now one month away. On March 11th, you'll finally be able to bet on all your favorite teams in all of your favorite sports. And with FanDuel, there's tons of ways for you to get in on the action. You can bet on everything from money line to over-unders to which team will make a little noise in March Madness. And This all comes on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, with live betting, you can now pick which player will even put up the next basket or the one after that. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on so you can be the first to know when FanDuel goes live in North Carolina. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Last couple minutes here on Monday. We thought it'd be fun to look back upon past Wolfpackers that have played in the Super Bowl and highlight some of the top moments. Of course, the Super Bowl did take place yesterday. We're recording this before the Super Bowl, so we don't know who won the game although I think that probably it's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, so we're going to go back and highlight some Wolf Packers that have made name for themselves uh, and represented NC State in the big game. First, we have Torrey Holt way back in Super Bowl 34. He was a wide receiver for the St. Louis Rams. They defeated the Tennessee Titans by a score of 23-16. to Tory, in his rookie year, went off for seven receptions, 109 receiving yards, and a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Kenton, I think you have a sign pertaining to this, no?
1: Yes, we do. Torrey Holt is the leading receiver of the 2000s, and yet he isn't in the Hall of Fame. But, Grayson, let's take it a step further. He's not just the leading receiver in the 2000s. Wolfpack fans, Wolfpack Nation, you can take this one with you next time somebody says Torrey Holt doesn't belong in the uh, Hall of Fame. There is no receiver that has put together any better decade in terms of receiving yardage than Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt from 2000, from 2000 all the way up to 2009 put up more yards than any other receiver, including Julio Jones in the 2010s, Jerry Rice in the 90s, Randy Moss in the 2000s, Terrell Owens in the 2000s, and Antonio Brown in the 2010s, and Michael Irvin in the 1990s. Oh, and by the way, two more on this list, Derek Mason and uh, Marvin Harrison, both in the 2000s. So, of all those names, Randy Moss, T.O., Marvin Harrison, I think that everybody would say, yeah, they're all locks, if they're not already in, which most of them are. To have Torrey out, nonsense. But with that being said, Torrey did have a great Super Bowl against the Titans, right? If it wasn't for Tory in that game, he truly earned the nickname. Even though he already had the moniker, he truly cemented at the NFL level, big game home.
0: Up next, we have head coach Bill Cowher coached the Steelers to the victory in Super Bowl 40. Steelers took out the Seahawks by a score of 21 to 10. Obviously, Bill Cowher was honored by NC State this past football season and got his name up in the ring of honor, which is very cool, but also became a Super Bowl winning coach for the Steelers. That was very cool to see back then.
1: That Super Bowl was in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan, (laughs) and it just so happened to be uh, Jerome Bettis' hometown as well, and he got a proper send-off into retirement with a uh, Super Bowl championship. So what a time for Bill Coward. You know, great, great win there. Uh, I believe that's his only Super Bowl as well. So that's, you know, that I think that that one is the one where if you're going to put him in all of him as a coach, you know, that's that's the reason to do it. A phenomenal game as well.
0: Super Bowl 43 between the Cardinals and Steelers. Safety Adrian Wilson recorded seven solo tackles, which is the most tackles in the Super Bowl by a former Wolfpacker. Of course, the Steelers also won that one, but I believe Mike Tomlin was the coach at the time.
1: Yeah, I believe so. And um, you know that was a that was just a, a really really good game for Adrian. Not so much on that last drive for the entire defense, you know. And and Adrian and the defense weren't even on the field when James Harrison pulled out the bald head aggression to get himself a ninety nine yard pick six. As a uh, rush outside linebacker,
0: Super Bowl Forty Eight, Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom led the Seahawks to their first Super Bowl. Russ threw for two touchdowns in that game, and we've been talking greatest moments, but I think we also have to mention what happened in Super Bowl Forty Nine. <sighs> Russ threw maybe the worst interception uh, in, in the Super Bowl in NFL history in terms of situational play calling. Not exactly just that pick in itself, but yeah, that moment probably the worst pick in Super Bowl history.
1: Yeah, you have a 230-pound back known as beast mode in the backfield, and you're on the one-yard line, and you say, you know what we'll do? We'll surprise them. We'll get them with this one. They'll never see it coming. They, in fact, saw it coming. Um, So, you know, it it was – but Russell Wilson, regardless of what you say about him, how you feel about him, as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, made multiple All-Pros, made multiple Pro Bowls, all that good stuff. This was – this game, to me, you know, is the moment where – when his Hall of Fame case comes up, many people will, will point to this Super Bowl and say, hey, how many starters f- for Super Bowls are not in? And, you know, how many of them have all of the accolades that rust them?
0: Super Bowl 48, he represented NC State. Super Bowl 49, he represented Wisconsin. There's the settlement for that debate right there. He was a Wolfpacker for 48, Badger for 49. The
1: whole pack of Badgers thing does work out there because the whole pack is first. And the Badgers is, in fact, second in the wording of that phrase. So 48 us, 49 them, very logical. You're a very logical man, Mr. (laughs) Moore.
0: And then last, of course, notably, we still have Joe Tooney, who finds his way onto dynasty after dynasty, maybe in the middle of the most fortunate NFL career ever. He won two Super Bowls with the Patriots on the back half of the Tom Brady era, then moved over to the Kansas City Chiefs, where he has now found himself on quite another dynasty, like I said, at time of recording, we don't know who won. But if the Chiefs win this game, you're now talking about four-time Super Bowl champion Joe Tooney. Been probably the most well-known Pack pro of late. You know,
1: I look at this and I'll, I'll say one simple thing. He is the Robert Ori of the NFL. He <laughs> just Because people, and if you really think about who Robert Ori was, he was an important piece to all those teams. Like, you can say what you want about he wasn't the star. He wasn't the main attraction. Robert Ory was a very important part of almost every championship team he played on. Same thing for Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney has made all pro teams, multiple pro bowls. This is not just a guy that's just kind of on the practice squad, just barely hanging on to a roster, getting rings. He's a starter. He's a quality starter, one of the best guards in the game. I am honored to have played with the man. More power to you, Joe. He's a great guy.
0: Perhaps Marquez Valdez-Scantling will also be a winner, although I don't know if NC State really claims him. I see him more of a USF Bull uh, in my eyes. But nonetheless, looking forward to maybe some more Pac-Pro moments in the Super Bowl in years to come. Bottom line here is we need a lot more Pac-Pro success to celebrate at the NFL. Don't worry.
1: Don't worry. Aileen McNeil will get there, and he'll get him one (laughs) in no time. You know, and I'm just saying, I've heard that a certain team needs some linebacker help as well. So Peyton Wilson probably... Be right along with them uh, in some Honolulu blue. But, you know, we got to talk about that. You know, I'm just saying.
0: That'll do it for us here on Monday, as always. Thank you all so much for joining us. Be sure to hit that like button. Drop your comments in the comment box. Tell us what you thought about the men's loss in Winston on Saturday and maybe how you perceive the rest of the season to play out. Tell us what you think about the women's win in Pittsburgh and perhaps about the loss of Mimi Collins on the court for at least some amount of time. Tell us in your mind who are the biggest pack pros to ever play in a Super Bowl. As always, hit that subscribe button on your way out the door. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, go pack.
1: Go pack.